Welcome to the Game of the Flavors podcast, episode 51. My name's John, and Ryan won't let me do the next part of this intro. Take it away, Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game of the Flavors podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing in. Hold on. Look at me. Now smile, say cheese. Cheese. For the Inflation Deflation Challenge. What you got this week, John? Uh, this week, dude, some cool pickups. So I think over the... What was it? Last week I told you I picked up a couple Xbox 360 controllers yeah. for like five bucks. Mm -hmm. Took those Xbox 360 controllers to GameStop. Yeah. Turned that $5 into $26. Ah. Took some random 360 controllers I had sitting in my garage. Turned that into $26. And then that turned into Digimon World Next Coder, Death's Gambit, Dead Cells, and Concrete Genie. That's a, that's a pretty good turnaround. Have you ever run into this kind of situation before where you've got like a mass of controllers lying around or something specific? Was this like a special deal GameStop was doing right now for controllers? like Or that's just their base price anyway? That was their base price, shockingly enough. So I called up like different retro stores because my thought was, let me go into like uh, one of our retro stores here and see if they'll kind of match the GameStop price in trades. So I called up and they're like, no, oh, we'll give you five bucks. Oh, we'll give you eight. And I'm like, GameStop's offering me 12, so I'm going to just go to GameStop and just buy some next-gen games. Uh, I have run into this before. So years ago, I picked up a massive Xbox 360 collection. And there were some PS2 games in there as well, maybe a couple PS3. And it was from a, a guy I knew um, that ran a pawn shop. He's like, here's a bunch of crap I'm never going to sell. Come and, take my, come and take it off my hands. I'll give it all to you, like 25 cents a game. He's like, I just got to get rid of it out of pawn shop. So I took all that off his hands and turned that into like 60 or $70. And I might have spent 20 at the mm -hmm. time. So I've done this in the past. Um, GameStop's usually not too picky. I will tell you, though, this was the dumbest thing. So one of the joysticks had like some crud or something underneath. And the girl looks at me and says, well, it works, but we got to put it out as defective. And, ha and we can't give you like the full amount because of this stuff here. I'm like... I can literally clean that right now. And she's like, well, I'm going to have to take his defect. I'm like, how about this? You take the three controllers that are good to go. I'm going to run to my car and wipe it down with some armor all that I have in my car. I wiped it down, came back, and she's like, yeah, it looks good. Okay, here's your full money. I'm like, really? It took me five minutes right, to clean it. Well, hey, that's five minutes of work she didn't want to do. Five minutes of work she didn't. No, I mean, GameStop Corporate would have done it. Um, and then the other thing I picked up, uh, I went to a Goodwill, and they happened to have a Hydro Thunder. And I didn't know this, but they have a student discount at Goodwill. I did not know that either. It was like 25% off. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So picked up Hydro Thunder on the N64, and uh, that was a nice little price point there. There you go. Um, good good haul. Good haul this week. I'm super excited about Concrete Genie. I think we should tackle that next week. Yeah, you mentioned that. We may uh, we may end up doing a, a new game for once. Yeah, we had to close out our Halloween month, but or spooky, spooky month. month. But yeah, I think that'll be a really cool one. Uh, I'm seeing on an outline here that I am going to be very, very disappointed with your week, Ryan. Yeah, as always, I have nothing to show for myself this week. I didn't, I didn't buy anything, and I didn't play anything. It was a. It's it okay. A you do the hard going on. You this do week. the layout of our of our actual like podcast. You know what we're going to be talking about. Hey, and no then, matter what, I get to come here and play one game a week. Exactly that, and it's always and a new game. Exactly, exactly. Well, not a new game. Well, Next week it will be a new game. Well, half the time it's like a newish game for me too. Right. Um, well, and the other thing is, uh, you do our introduction of games we recently picked up. So, I mean, that right there in itself, that's that's perfect. Um, Minimum so it, effort, people. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Uh, and a you, successful friend. Did you <laughs> did you play anything? 
Uh, you know, I really didn't like not even iPad games this week. This week, I've just been doing a whole bunch of other stuff. I got a way of playing maybe about an hour of Arkham City. Uh, God, I can't even tell you where I'm at in the game. I beat, uh, I got past Harley Quinn, and then I ended up like within some building, and there was a giant clown with a sledgehammer on his back. Um, and then, oh, I found Joker. That's what it was. I found Joker, and he drugged me, and then that's pretty much where I stopped at that point, I think. I don't remember. But it's a very beginning. So if you've played Arkham City, you kind of get an idea on where I'm at. I just met Harley Quinn for the first time. Well, not met her, but, you know, seen her. And then Joker drugged me, and they put me in a building, and I fought a clown with a giant sledgehammer. That, that's about where I'm at. So, But there it's still pretty cool. I, I played Arkham Asylum, and I really liked that game. Yeah, Arkham's, I really like that one, too. Yeah, Arkham City's pretty cool so far. I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm a big Batman fan. Um, so ultimately this is a, a pretty cool game to, to go into and it brings that whole like bat verse into, you know, perspective and, and really kind of gets you engaged in the Do overall. Do you like it more than, I mean, cause we played Spider-Man and yeah. then you're choosing this over Spider-Man. You mean a new Spider-Man? Yeah. Cause we already, we'd already played that one. You could have easily just picked that up and started that instead of this. What made you go with Arkham? Uh, cause my wife is playing Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she saw us playing that little bit and was like, I need to play this now. So uh-huh. she's, and I don't even think she's played it this week, but that's her game that she's currently playing. And then the two of us are supposed to be playing Zack and Wiki. And um, we actually haven't played that at all this week. We just had a crazy busy week uh-huh. and just haven't had a chance to do it. Tons of landscaping in the yard and housework that need to get done. Yep. So you know how it is, dude. Uh, well, that being said, let's jump into some articles, man. So uh, this week we've got a lot of stuff, and I'm gonna we're gonna go on a journey into the news. So this week uh, we had an article by Alex Gibson at Twinfinite. Uh, Fallout's worst Fallout's worst feature rears its ugly head in the outer worlds. So in this article, he's talking about a lot of he has a lot of good things to say about outer worlds, which is mostly what I've heard. I've heard almost nothing but praise about Outer Worlds. This is the first time I've seen a criticism, and he's criticizing not necessarily the game as a whole, but just kind of this type of game in a genre. Like, there's this certain element to these types of RPGs where you understand you're going to be doing a lot of quests, and a lot of those quests are not really going to be deep, meaningful quests. You know, for the most part, a lot of RPGs have very similar quest structures you've got like fetch quests go here and kill this number of things question which is kind of the same thing you know it's a really a lot of run around and do stuff for people and then you feel like you're in a world being everybody's errand boy while also being the hero like the hero should be helping people but you know, I, I've never played it but I've always heard really good things about the Witcher 3 side quests like it has side quests that are of importance and well-written and go on their own thing. And it could be, you know, almost as good as another game's main plot. I, that's what I've heard from people. So don't, you know, I, I just think that the one part where he kind of falls short in here is that, you know, he talks right in the article um, about how this is not forward thinking like New Vegas was, but, you know, New Vegas came out so long ago that I could see what he's saying that 
even though this is the same team that did New Vegas, they're not pushing it forward like New Vegas pushed it forward. They're kind of just staying at that status quo. And as much as it is, you know, a comfort food RPG, it is just kind of what you expect. Like, I get the idea of pushing boundaries, but I think I think it was really safe for them to reuse the structure that everybody wanted and give them a game that is better than the last couple Fallout experiences. And the way they released it, I have nothing but good stuff to say about that. So I think this was a really good establishing, all right, let's do this, and then let's push this as our franchise. And hopefully they will learn better for next time and be able to do something innovative again. Yeah, and I haven't heard anything about the game crashing and things flying around, so that's good, right? Uh, you know, I agree if you do in every point that you made. A lot of these games, uh, especially Fallout 3, for example, when I played that, it was not only buggy, but you ran into... It was just... You had brought it up when we were talking earlier. Like, you walk into a building, and, okay, I've got to complete my quest, right? I've got to find, like, two, P, two Nuka-Cola or something like that, and I have to take it to X individual. And, like, you're just going in there, and you're battling the same creatures every single time, you're facing the same exact type of obstacles, and it's just like rinse and repeat the entire flipping game. And while I haven't played this yet, I want to, and I really hope it amounts to not a lot of the same reused items. Like, yeah. one of the things I loved about Fallout 3, because um, that really is the one that I played the most, being able to go into like the Nuka Cola plant, right? And being able to explore that and go through every crevice and try it, like that was a really cool experience. Like there's certain areas in that game that were super cool experiences. But going through the flipping subway system and dealing with ghouls constantly. Yeah. And the same crap that you just had every single waking moment of that game. It was just so long and so long and drawn out that I just kind of got tired of it. I went to from exploring a game to just kind of saying, All right, I'm done exploring. Let me just go through the story at this well, point. And I think that a big bonus here, you know, in favor of the way these games are, these, you know, comfort food RPGs, like he says in the article, is that, you know, I've done Oblivion and Skyrim and Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 4, and I'm hesitant to get into this because I know it's going to be that same thing again, but a lot of people like that same thing again, and there's nothing wrong with getting invested in that if that's the kind of game that you want to play right now, and it's great to have that option, and it's great to have that option offered by somebody who's willing to do way more uh, for you, the buyer. I mean, this game was released as a full complete game with minimal bugs, not even a definitive edition, no gold platinum edition, no backpacks no for early access, no yeah, no uh no backpacks that'll take 2 months to get in and be crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no nylon looking bags. At, looking at you game grinder. Yeah, and not even uh, you know, a cosmetic only shop that eventually sells more than cosmetics. Like they just made a game and released a game and, you know, uh it's it's to be praised in this day, honestly, to have something like this just come out and just work and just be exactly what you want it to be and it is it'll kind of be, a breath of fresh air yeah, in a sense. hopefully it'll be enough to push forward and get them to innovate on those things like he's talking about yeah what i really hope is that companies like bethesda and you know other larger organizations that create and develop games 
I really hope they look at this and this becomes a very successful franchise and they take that and say, you know what, if we put a product like that out and we had it fully complete and fleshed out and there were minimal bugs and we actually took our time to do it correctly, we could be reaping profits as well. And yeah. maybe like something like this, while to your point, while it's kind of that same thing and it's been done numerous times, it's being done right. And if this is this can be a model for other companies to push something out right and reap the benefits of it from the consumers. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have something non predatory on the shelves. Uh, speaking of predatory and um, you know not looking at the consumer interest, Blizzard is in the news yet again. So we've got a lot of stuff with Blizzard. So first off, anybody who doesn't know, BlizzCon is happening this weekend. That's November first. So if you're hearing this before then. You know, hey, if you're there, tell people about us. Let them know that you can find us anywhere online, the Game Deflators, except for Twitter, because they can't handle the. It's just Game Deflators on Twitter. But find us anywhere else. Tell us what you're most excited about at BlizzCon. If you're going to BlizzCon, send us some pictures. Uh, enjoy it. And but if, if you heard this after BlizzCon, still tell all your friends. Yeah, and give us five-star reviews. Still do that and tell us how good and or bad it went because who knows what's going to happen. Exactly. So um, the article that we read, super small article, but this one is Kotaku. It's uh, Luke Plunkett, which I want to say that we've actually had an article of his before. Maybe. And it's pretty much just talking about the fact that um, Blizzard just lost another sponsor, and that one being Mitsubishi. So Mitsubishi was, I guess, a huge sponsor for their uh, larger gaming events um, like Hearthstone and such. And uh, they were saying that a lot of the casters and such that generally had like Mitsubishi cars and products and everything around them uh, for promotional purposes no longer have that. And Mitsubishi Logos and such, yeah, yeah, removed. And this is all in the backlash of what happened with uh, you know Blitz Chung and the his protest against or you know his in favor of the protesting in Hong Kong. So it's interesting to see you know Blizzard's now losing money because of their actions to try to save money in the Chinese market and having been condemned by, you know, a bipartisan front in Congress to uphold American values, you know, that's a lot of heat coming at Blizzard right before, you know, their biggest time of the year. Well, what's interesting, I had to pull it up because I was really curious. Activision Blizzard as of today was up a buck 87. And uh, over the last three months, they're up six ninety-seven. Last month, over three thirty, and over the last year, they're up. They're down nine seventy-nine over the last year. Um, well, see, that's that's the thing. You know, I think that in this situation, there's actually a lot that you can draw between Blizzard and uh, Bethesda because they're both these real beloved, like. Like, people love Bethesda. They love the games that Bethesda has brought out. And, you know, they've been a really strong, you know, fan base kind of thing. And Blizzard has that in spades, probably more than any other company. And it's just, no matter how bad they do, I mean, Fallout is offering that $100 a year thing. And they, you know, they flubbed that. And these companies, they keep bargaining on all this goodwill that they've got built up from these longtime fans. And I feel like... Now we're starting to get to a point where things are starting to get let down. Like, let's not forget last year at BlizzCon with the Diablo Immortal announcement. You all have cell phones, don't you? 
Uh, <laughs> Look it up. I think we had talked about that too, actually. Yeah, but um, the thing is, like, that game's still not out. Like, as unpopular an idea as it was and the backlash they got, they still haven't even finished it. It's still not even released. Well, I had to double check today because I was like, surely it's out and I just don't mobile games, so well, I, I think, don't know about it. I think it even calls out within that article. It's either that one or the next one we're going to talk about that they're supposed to be announcing Diablo 4. I mean, yeah, they haven't even finished the other one. Well, that's basically all that they can do to earn themselves goodwill. Because just like that, at E3, Bethesda had that teaser of Skyrim or, you know, Elder Scrolls 6. And it was just like a sweeping vista that had nothing to do with the game. It was just a landscape and a title. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, I remember that. that game's not even coming until after the next game comes out that they don't even have anything to show you for. So they're trying to bank on all this goodwill like hey we're gonna keep making tons of money off of you right now and keep pumping out these games now blizzard's games are very well polished so that's different than what bethesda's doing but you know people really wanted diablo 4 and then they're trying to push this money-making scheme in your face just like fallout 76 so um I was pulling it up just now. So obviously you have Activision Blizzard, right? So yeah. they're kind of, while Blizzard is taking a hit at the same time, stockholders probably don't have that much. They don't probably don't care too much. Stock's risen primarily uh, because the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare, now obviously it's a, a reboot, really, uh, $600 million opening weekend. Is of what course, I'm, yeah. what I'm reading here. I yeah. mean, come on, you made nearly a billion well, dollars in an opening weekend for a game. I'm of not course saying, your stock's going to yeah, go up. I mean, and that's, that's fine. You know, I've heard good things good enough things about that game it's just not something i'm interested in anymore because i just don't have time to throw at like a shooter right now but the i'm not arguing that they don't make good games i'm just saying that you know these these are two companies that are kind of both in situations where all eyes are kind of on them to do certain things at this point in the industry and i feel like they keep letting down the people who care the most and that's what i hate seeing the fans get let down by these companies so they better do a really good job this weekend at BlizzCon. You know, they better start to make amends for this stuff because if if they're losing financial support from, you know, companies, people care more than companies do. But if the companies start to leave, you know, that shows that there's not a lot of faith from the other side. So yeah. why should we have faith? And honestly, if Blizzard was its own entity and it wasn't like... Activision Blizzard, I could see this whole thing just blowing them up to the point where like sales would be completely dropping and everything else. But that, like I said, the fact that they have Activision Blizzard, well, that's they the make only a ton reason. of money off of all their loot boxes and Overwatch. They've got uh, Overwatch Two might be coming, Diablo Four might be coming. Those would be huge hits. I'm actually really interested to see what happens to all the Overwatch players switching to Overwatch Two and all the money they invested in those microtransactions. Because from what I understand, like with the sports games that come out every year, if you unlock somebody last year and it cost you 80 bucks to get that person, I think you have to pay 80 bucks again the next year to get them in the sequel. Because I don't think it would be nice. I don't think if it they, just transfers through like that. Yeah, it'd be nice if they allowed that. Kind of like the old dot hack games where you could take every item and everything else and hook your memory card up and transfer to the next game and the next game. Well, and, and next it's game. all online stuff. Like I think that you need it's something Overwatch's size. Like, and the amount of money people have invested in, I think that they owe it to the community as a good gesture to like, hey, all that money you spent on this game, 
because it wasn't a free game. You had to buy Overwatch to play it to begin with. So all that extra money you dumped in, like, that should give you something in the future, you know? It's one of the reasons I don't play new games half the time, dude. Like, I'm honestly, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm playing a game like an Overwatch, getting super addicted to it, pumping in money. And then we don't know for sure, because they haven't talked about it yet. If you can transfer stuff, we don't know that until they announce it and have more discussions over it. But if you aren't able to transfer everything you purchased in Overwatch 1 to an extent or even maybe get a credit towards other items, that's that's a little ridiculous. We'll, we'll see what'll happen. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so next article that you had, dude, it was uh, PC Gamer Andy Chalk, and uh, it's about Blizzard confirming the departure of former Hearthstone Heroes of the Storm directors. Yeah, so this was... Um, it... It says that it happened a little while ago, but yeah, it's it been like confirmed. Two or three months ago, I think. Yeah, they released you know a message about it, but it was uh, StarCraft II lead designer and Heroes of the Storm game director Dustin Browder, former Hearthstone director Eric Dodds, and former Hearthstone production director Jason Chase. And you know those are, I mean, I'm not super familiar, so I don't know those names, but they, you know. They're well, they made, big names. These are important yeah, roles they, in these ongoing, you know, powerful titles that, you know, Hearth, you know, Hearthstone's huge. Heroes of the Storm was kind of big, but then Blizzard themselves cut the knees out of that and destroyed the esports community uh, by pulling their support for it. So there's there's just a lot of stuff in this that directly speaks to not only are, you know, the fans mad at the company and pulling support, not only are you know, supporting advertising companies, pulling support, but within their own corporate structure, important people are leaving. Yeah, and, well, it does mention it was a few months ago, so this could have been premeditated career change. We don't truly know what the article's trying to pinpoint on this here. This is true. So, I mean, especially when it says a couple months ago, I mean, this has been going on for a little bit, and there could have been other problems of any organization that led them out. And that could have just been kind of the you know cherry on the top, like all right, all the Hong Kong stuff, we're out, we're kind of done with this. Uh, but f from what I read in the article, it actually does mention that these guys are pretty high profile within Blizzard itself in terms of development. So it is kind of a loss, a big loss for them. But it's not like they can't be replaced. And there's going to be people that want that Blizzard job and are okay working for a company that's doing what they're doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, Blizzard gives you the opportunity to keep several franchises really steamrolling now until they come out with something new starcraft you, 3 starcraft 3 is 0.5 i mean you know but like there's just this whole built-in base like anybody who gets in at blizzard has a built-in base to work around and these franchises to keep churning out and it's not the same as like you know working at activision and churning out the same call of duty every year you know Keep Hearthstone moving. Keep people interested in Overwatch. Keep people interested in StarCraft. All those things. So I had to Google it. I'm sorry, dude. StarCraft 3 is apparently being announced at BlizzCon 2019 and will debut early 2020. I mean, you know, there's lots of lots of rumors. We'll find out what's actually happening when we see, you know, what goes down this weekend. But, you know, a lot of stuff Blizzard you really know, in the eye. I want to see if they have protests at BlizzCon. That's what a lot of people are speculating. Yeah, there'll probably be some protests outside. Maybe something happens inside. It'll really be interesting to see from a, really from a political standpoint, what occurs with BlizzCon. 
You know, not mm-hmm. even just the gaming portion alone and what occurs. Yeah. And then also Diablo 3, so or Diablo 4, I mean. I wonder if that's going to just be a PC thing for a little bit or if they're going to go the route of obviously releasing on consoles. And then with StarCraft 3, I kind of wonder if they're going to go back to putting it on consoles because initially they had it on uh, N64 years ago. I would love to see StarCraft make a return to like the Nintendo Switch. I think that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, okay. So enough about Blizzard, sir. Um, enough Blizzard. Enough, enough Blizzard. And more bad news for everyone. Uh, Sony, I don't think well, it's really bad news for everyone. More bad news for like the less than a million people that had it. Uh, PlayStation View TV service is going to be shutting down. They're if getting you're one of, of the few people out there using PlayStation View TV, move on. To Netflix. And or other something, stuff. yeah. It's something this, successful. Yeah, this was uh, Dade Hayes at uh, Deadline, and this is something that, you know, I feel very one way about this. I don't prefer to do any of my watching on my PlayStation. You know, since I have apps in my smart TV, I'll just use those. You know, people have Fire Stick, people have uh, Google Roku boxes, yeah. and all that. Yeah, you know, Google and. Uh, a lot of TVs just have, you know, what yeah. is that, casting? Yeah, mine has, um, it's an Android TV with the yeah. Google Play Store. Like, I can download pretty much anything on there. Crackle, Sony, television, yeah. So I HBO. think in this day and age where we've talked about this time and time and time and time again, you know, that piecemeal trying to sell you all the stuff out there, I think it's smart of Sony to bow out of that race and try to make it, you know, let everybody else do that. Focus on your games. Do what you're good at. But at the same time, I almost wonder if this idea of your console being your media hub is kind of in the past. Like, they really pushed that with, like, the 360 and, like, the PS3. PS3 well, the had Xbox the Blu-ray. One. The Xbox One Xbox was, one like, supposed to be one. everything in yeah. one. You know, that's the whole idea with that. But I just think that I don't need the cumbersomeness of using the console to access the stuff that I want to watch. I feel like it's never the fastest way. I don't feel like it's the easiest to navigate to get to the things that I want to, you know, watch. And I wonder if they couldn't save money focusing more on just being a gaming friend, you know, a gaming platform again. Like the idea that the Switch launched with i don't even think youtube and now it's got like youtube and hulu and netflix you know it's starting to build up all these apps but that's not my preferred platform for watching either so i don't know how much it costs for them to get invested with these other companies i don't to think provide costs, these services i don't necessarily think it costs them anything i think at the end of the day those companies like a netflix or hulu are probably paying nintendo and sony to have their product on that console I think there, there's there got to be contracts and stuff on the back end to say, hey, we want to put Netflix on, you know, your TV. Well, but I mean, out. as far as like, um, I guess, development, like building your hardware to be able to accommodate streaming video services, like like if you could save money on that, I would buy a console that doesn't have any multimedia capabilities and is more of like an older generation console where it just does what it does, and that's why I want it. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the technical components because somebody will probably like you know just yeah. People know way more than we me, do about throw this. me to the side, but 
Um, you know, I think the consoles nowadays are just built in a sense that it's inherently going to be able to do that anyways. Yeah. So it really comes down to the exposure from a Netflix standpoint. But uh, to your point, I'm not playing my Switch and turning it on to play Netflix or Hulu. Well, and, and I understand some people do. Some people only really have one source. But then why not have a Wii? Like, well, you no, can but I mean, up. like, somebody, there's definitely somebody out there who has a PS4, and that's their everything. You know, they don't have a TV, a smart TV that streams or, stuff. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not knocking people that, that that's your only option. Well, like, I'm I, just saying that in today's age, I think that the options are so abundant that the view not being around. I don't really think anybody's going to mourn the loss of something like that. I, I don't think, think it's kind of a good it. idea that they pursued, but they got beat out by the market. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think there necessarily was an opportunity for them to even really crack that market. Netflix has been around for years and this has been on what? Three, three years. They've I think had it was this like 2015. Yeah. Like three or four years in a market. And you've got Netflix who's been around since I was in like middle school doing like DVD rentals you know, yeah. via mail. So I, I don't, I don't think this is a huge loss for Sony, and I really would applaud them more than anything for really just understanding it. We're not good at this. It's, I mean, not to say not good at this, but we're not making any money off this. It's a waste of our time. We need to refocus our efforts on things that we're really good at, and that's putting out high-quality games and content and making great products in terms of electronics. Well, and So the, I'm, I'm happy they're, they're doing this. Yeah, I don't this see is it a, as a negative. Yeah, this is a great move for them. And, you know, I don't see a lot of this kind of stuff coming out of Microsoft for Xbox, you know, I don't think that they really had anything like this. I know they're kicking ass with the uh, Xbox Game Pass and stuff like that. They're really pushing that, but, you know, PS Now is pretty good. So they've got their own places to compete. So if Once, Xbox already wasn't, you know, didn't already have this side thing going on and didn't have to cancel, why try to do something that they're not doing that's going to be unsuccessful? Yeah, you I know, mean, Sony that just, part off and just compete directly. Yeah, and Sony just uh, announced, I think it was, their stock is going, I should have bought some actually. Uh, they're currently sitting at like 61 bucks a share and their stock's actually gone up pretty high recently. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're forecasting great numbers for their PlayStation 4 console, even towards the end of its life cycle, yeah. and a whole brand new console. I think they're cracking... They're saying they're going to hit about 104 to 110 million consoles globally. Uh-huh. I mean, that's crazy, dude, especially in this day and age where people are saying that physical media of, you know, games is dead. And now well, we're going to there's so much on offer with those digital services, too, like PlayStation now. Yeah, exactly. So you have your PlayStation now, no longer PlayStation View. But, you know, kind of a segue back a little bit. You know, I, I do use my PS4 for certain types of streaming items. I only use it for Twitch. I, my TV doesn't have Twitch. I only use it for HBO Go because I don't have HBO Go on my TV. Mm. So those are little things that you know yeah. I can understand where you would have that benefit of having it on a PlayStation 4. But you know, again, the PlayStation View it's just what a streaming service for the most part. Yeah, I can get Netflix yeah. and be okay. And I think it was cheaper, as a matter of fact. So, well, there's a lot of news, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't lots, know how I'm going to title this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Lots going on out in the world and. Uh, you know, we're happy that you're here to hear it from us because, well, and we're telling you where we heard it from. So, you know, that we didn't make the news by any means, but we're glad that you're listening to us getting the news. And we will link it as always. Now, I was so excited to cap off our spooky month with this. You know, we should have done more games like this. We really should have at the end we, of the day. We, like, we could have 
spookied harder this month. You realize how many horror games I actually own that we could have gone through? Hey, uh, save it for next year, John. Don't give away all the secrets. I've got like 10 years of horror games here. Sweet. 10 more years, of people. Of the game of later. You hear that? Yeah. 10 more years. We'll see how that goes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that'd be awesome. 10 years. Um, episode 500 and something. Right. So we ended up picking up Fatal Frame. Well, we didn't pick it up. I've had it for a while. Um, I bought Fatal Frame 2, Fatal Frame 1, and 3, and Persona 2 from uh, my good friend Leaping Lizard Cosplay. So I will tag her as well for folks so they can check her out and uh she went ahead and sold me this a while back and it was part of a collection i was telling you about yeah. so i picked fatal frame 2 crimson butterfly yes so the story of two young japanese girls in a forest who find their way into a creepy village and follow butterflies and ghosts and with cameras hose meddling kids <laughs> all right let's uh, get into it man um so we've got we just kind of went over yeah, the premise that, of it that's kind of the premise this was uh, a a tecmo project developed and published by tecmo created by makoto shibata uh released back in 2003 november so right in time to get your spooks on at the end of november i'm so happy that you're the one that butchers the japanese names and not me well how did they release this in november how do you release this in november well you hype it during spooky month and the people that i don't know you why should, i call it you, spooky month all of these games should be released in october anyways it met with wild success it's like an eight out of ten people really enjoyed it I thought it looked great. As soon as we started the game up, I was like, wow, these are some great PS2 graphics. Like It, it reminded really me of Eco good. and Shadow of Colossus, a lot of those graphics. Yeah, it looks really good. It's definitely held up. I mean, the... Uh, it's polished for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a well-polished game. And I mean, we're playing on a... Is that 1080p or 720? I think it's 720. Yeah, we're playing on one of Ryan's old HD TVs that I, he somehow lured me into keeping. Um here at the house but yeah so we're playing on that and usually when we play games like a playstation one or dreamcast you can kind of see that pixelation yeah this was super clear super smooth yeah i was actually pretty stoked there were some areas where i noticed some jaggies and some different bits on the tv where i'm like okay i could see that we're playing this on a yeah an hd tv not what it was meant to be played on but yeah it looks great so um let's go into kind of what we did we obviously entered the spooky village and had a whole situation where her arm touched our shoulder and the sister walked into the building. And we were like, what the hell's going on here? You know, and I like that they're not really jump scares. Like they're, they, all the scares like aren't like just leaping at you and screaming. It's more like just kind of something creepy happening and you see well, it happening. from what we know, we only got through, I think it was 45 minutes of a game. Well, yeah, we didn't play the whole thing, but it was setting me up in a good way. Like I liked the type of horror that it was pushing. It wasn't like Five Nights at Freddy's Horror. It was like young investigative journalism with a random village. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Okay. I was, was going around picking up old photos and articles and books and trying to figure out where all the dead people went. Yeah, uh... So the story surrounds uh, in this village, there was a, a ritual night, a festival night, and everybody in the town was murdered, and their ghosts are trapped forever to repeat the same night. And if you get trapped in the town, you'll probably die too. But good thing for these girls, they found the camera obscura, a strange old camera that has come with a instruction manual that tells you, hey, you can take pictures of dead creatures now or by touching circle spirits. and hitting r1 yeah and uh it also exercises them and bonds them to you when you take their pictures so 
Whoever went in the first time who owned this camera apparently didn't know how to use it very well. But these little girls, you know, right off the bat, we were snapping selfies with ghosts and having a good time. I feel like a new modern Fatal Frame would be like you have to like line up the selfie and get like the ghost just like perfectly in the background. And then, you know, you go in and apply filters and, and stuff. I think it would you be a much a, more fun vibe. And the new game plus has a selfie stick, right? Yeah. Uh, actually I did release a fatal frame on, I think it was Wii U mm. has a fatal. It was only released in, I believe it was Japan. Okay. I need to get that so badly to just I add mean, to my that collection. That makes sense. Look, they're doing it with a spooky game. Where's Pokemon snap Two? Where is it? It was perfect for it, the Wii U. That, the that Switch actually, is even more perfect for it. That actually, dude, I want to do that so bad. Like, just being able to, like, pan around yeah. of your Switch and yeah. hit the R button on the top and take pictures of Pokemon, that'd be sweet. Right. Um, okay, well, I don't know how much more we need to go into the actual gameplay itself, but you're walking around taking photos. You obviously have spooky situations where it's a little filament on the bottom right corner starts to glow, and you're like, oh, crap, there's a ghost near me, and you pretty much look around you generally see the ghost you hit circle you hit r1 you release her soul and they're free yeah and as you go through i'm assuming there's going to be more of like you we took a picture of a spirit and then when we took a picture of it it was like oh the picture came out as a different place so we had to go back to where we had seen this uh brazier before it's like a and then when brazier, we took a I think. picture there then we kind of like put that spirit to rest or something so it's kind of like I guess a different way of questing to go back to earlier. I mean, you know, you're going from one place to the other because you're being directed by the spirits or, you know, you got to follow the spirits where they're going. So it's you you get the idea. It's not really a very intricate game. Uh, as far as we noticed, there is some type of health system. Nothing actually hurt us while we were playing. Um, it seems like it's not really, you know, it's not a survival horror in the in that sense. Yeah, like, I don't know how much resource management there is. There isn't items. We did only find one item that we picked up that wasn't, like, was, a key item. It was medicine. Yeah, so. so, you know, it may have those elements, and we just didn't really well, get and it to said, see what it was firsthand. And the medicine said on there that it increases your strength. So that would lead me to believe that you probably do come into contact with some of these spirits. And it's slow. I would say it probably slows you down, if anything to where you're not being able to move as fast in the game. That's mm. what I would probably gauge it at. And I hadn't played this series before. I've always wanted to, so this is actually a pretty cool experience. And I wouldn't play it by myself, but I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. So let's get into some pricing, sir. So this game, uh, we're looking at $32.99 right now, complete in box. Uh, that peaked back in just this September at $39.88. Right now it's going down. Loose, looking at twenty four sixty seven, peaked at forty two fourteen back in February two thousand eight, and it's holding pretty steady right now. Now this is this is a pretty good looking game, but ah, man, thirty two ninety nine completed box that sounds a little stiff. Well, I mean, I did just kind of buy it for that thirty dollar price range. Um, but when I bought it, it was sitting at that 39 range that you had mentioned. Yeah. So it's dropped since I, that's probably why my damn price charting dropped. Mm. I had X amount. It just kind of teetered off like $800. It's kind of weird. Um, so, God, man, I'm torn because like it really is a pretty game. It's got it a lot like going a great for game, it. And I think it's definitely, 
you know, I like a good horror game. I like a good spooky month. I think that this would be a fun game to, you know, like sit down with a bunch of people and play on a on a dark stormy night eating some candy and popcorn. That sounds like a good time to me, but I, I don't know. I I think I might be able to do uh better for that price i'd say it's inflated i'll just be upfront with it um is it a particularly hard to find game to your knowledge not really i mean it's the fatal frame series isn't exactly like a common series um uh, I, I would say it's not uncommon either though in the same respect i don't know how many copies it sold did we look that up we should probably start adding that stat like how many copies did it actually sell in its lifetime yeah, we could start uh, adding that, but right now I'm going to go check price charting. says there's about one sale a day. Yeah, so, so that's pretty common. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty common. You'll see games that are two, three sales a day. One sale a day yeah, is one sale just a day. average. I mean, that's, that's abundant. If you can go out and buy it every day, that's abundant. Yeah, I mean, where you start seeing those games that are higher prices or ones that are like four and five sales a day, you know, because people are obviously wanting it. Right now, this is a series that there's no new fatal frame coming out that we know of anytime soon. So I, I'd probably be led to believe that it's just kind of getting forgotten in a sense, but you might see a trend at some point in time where somebody's like, Oh yeah, fatal frame series. They mentioned like, you know, metal Jesus will mention fatal frame series uh -huh. and there it goes, you know, skyrockets. Yeah, it just again. takes somebody like us pushing a narrative, letting you know what's out there still. So Fatal Frame, buy it. Make John happy so his yeah. game can go up in value. There we go. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say 25 bucks. If you find it for 25 bucks, you got yourself a good so game. So you'd get it complete inbox for the loose price right now. Because there's really yeah. no sense in spending, yeah. you know, 25 bucks if you're not going to get all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah, loose, I would say like 16 to 18. Yeah. I would say 25 bucks if you get a complete inbox. It's a great cover. Um I really actually do enjoy the cover of that game. Is it reversible? Do you have I, it by you? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, I got it. Hold on. But there I'm, are I'm curious. You know, there are quite a few. You know, a lot of people in here have been buying this game for a little more. You know, in the forties, there's a couple people in the fifties, and then there's a few in the twenties. I'd say, I'd say twenty five looks like it would be hard to get this game for twenty five right now. But if you could get it for 25 I would say that that would definitely be worth it. I lied to myself. It's not a reversible cover. Good. That would be pretty sweet. But I love reversible covers. All my Switch games are inside out. It's honestly a really cool cover. I mean, it's got the two girls. Uh, they're not hanging in the front, but it's got two girls like kind of looking like the ring on the yeah. front. And then the overall like butterfly and such and the Fatal Frame 2. It's just a really cool cover. And uh, that's one that... Good-looking game inside yeah, and out. If you had a poster of that, you would want to hang it up in your cool. house. So, yeah. All right, so great-looking game. 8 out of 10 reception in the past. I'm saying it's an overpriced. I'm saying it's probably $8 too much right now. You're at overpriced yep. as well. Inflated. Inflated. How many games have we had that are deflated? I don't know. We'll have to put together a list. We need to get, Not like, many, some... Though. Not many yet. Well, we have a list. What we should probably do is put what we actually graded yeah. them as. We'll have to go back and edit that. We'll have to listen to every single one of our episodes and hear ourselves. Hey, I thought our last episode, our 50th, I thought that sounded really good. I thought we did a good job. Did you actually listen to it? Uh, Bits and pieces. I yeah. skip around. I have to edit them, so I yeah. I have to hear us all the time. And I don't do too much editing for yeah. the most part. It's just kind of sound quality control. Uh, and removing some of those times where I try to interrupt you and you keep talking. <laughs> so do we have anything else today? 
No, I think that's going to be it next week. Concrete Genie. Concrete Genie. We're going to check out and see if it was worth all those Xbox controllers he threw at it. I think so, dude. And the other three games that I got out of it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and conclude episode 51. Coming at you next week, episode 52. But before I forget, at Game Deflators on Twitter and at V Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram. I got it right. And hear us on all major podcast applications. Podbean. Spotify. Spotify iHeartRadio, iTunes, iTunes. Leave us reviews. Tell people that you like us because we like you, and that's just the right thing to do. But only five stars. Nothing five stars. less. Nothing less. I'm John. I'm Ryan, and we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.